0: Hello and welcome to Under the Skin from Luminary. This week I spoke with Karsha Abaniak. Karsha is the founder and CEO of the Academy, a school that teaches women the foundations of power and influence. She's worked as a professional dominatrix, practiced Taoist alchemy in one of the oldest female-led monasteries in China, and obtained certifications in medical qijong, and systemic constellations. Since founding the Academy in 2013, Kasha has taught hundreds of women practical tools to step into leadership positions in their relationships, families, workplaces, and wider communities. Her new book, Unbound, A Woman's Guide to Power, is out in August. I shall be reading that then. I hope you listened to my Conan O'Brien episode. Did you? Did you listen to it? Did you, uh, this, I tell you who did do that. It was Kim C. Just Looking. She go, You two are my utmost favourite synthetic, favourless, foaming broth made outside the body. So happy you've made yourselves famous enough to experience you regularly. Made my day. Thanks for saying that, Kim C. Just Looking. Because I loved talking to Conan and I loved some of the saying some of the things you referenced. I don't actually listen back to Under the Skin that often. I mean, why would I? I'm in it. But I did listen to that one. I think I listened to it on Conan's because it was simultaneously. <laughs> Our producer, Jenny, has got her head in her hands. But I wouldn't listen to it on. Because what? To get the listening figures up. You're right. What's wrong with me? I could have got, probably would have got a work bonus for listening. All right. Let's listen to it again on Luminary. There's no point saying it here. These people are on Luminary. You're preaching literally to the converted, unless, of course, someone's in the car with someone or whatever. But why are they not social distancing? Who are they? Unit. Huh? Family. You be- What? You if you're in a family unit, you're going to share the subscription, aren't you? You're not like, "Listen, we're a family unit, but you get your own Luminary subscription." I'd share my I'd share my subscription with anybody. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Cuz I like to share, Jen. Sh- share. Share is good. I have to spend all day with a three-year-old and a two-year-old saying, share! And then I come out here and say, don't share? No way. Not on your nelly. I won't hypocrite. I will not hypocrite like that. Cliff Burns said, Rusty Rockets, just finishing listening to your chat with Conan O'Brien thinking to myself, what a rare treat. Two funny, articulate people sharing a virtual stage, hilarious but also insightful, generous with each other to a fault. Hell of a podcast, Russell. Congratulations. Cliff... Bloody hell, Cliff. You really actually made me feel good about myself there. Thanks, mate. Kundalini KC, Diamond Go. Uh, Great podcast, hysterical energy together, and Conan O'Brien George Harrison comparison. George Harrison comparison. That's enjoyable. Is on point. I knew you reminded me of something. Well, what an honour. George Harrison. Beautiful, glorious. Gifted, incredible man he was, um, and is because actually he transcended his material form both through his art and spiritual wisdom. So uh, hey, listen, if you're not following me absolutely everywhere, what the hell's wrong with you? I'm on YouTube, I'm on all sorts of things. For God's sake, follow me. For God's sake, follow me. Follow me. All right. And if, <laughs> what, Jen? I can see your face. What? Do, why are you doing that face? Well, I'm intense. You need a microphone if you're going to pipe up like this. Have you got a microphone? It's not, Go on, well, it's not plugged in. You've got an unplugged in microphone. What's it doing? Who are you trying to impress? Plug it in. Does it work? Sorry. Let's try it, Jen. Let's try it. You can't. You, have stop the you have to stop the record to plug in a microphone. I'll tell you what, we've got to expand our business model because... Having this whole thing dependent on you, a person who can't even plug in a microphone f- simultaneously. Jen! Okay, listen, let's not muck about. Let's learn some more about power dynamics, feminism, uh, domination, should we say? Should we say domination? Because Kasha was indeed a dominatrix. So, yeah, all of those things come up. It's a wonderful conversation. She's a very, very good... Clear teacher. At one point, she pays me a compliment. See if you see that as a kind of a momentary spike in the conversation and sort of like a, a tent pole. Like you can very much discern me pre and post compliment. If so, that shows that I'm a bit of a shallow fellow always on the lookout for a little bit of the old crazy daisy. All right, check it out. Trying to achieve equality with the annihilation of category is not a oh, successful yeah. route. Yes, yeah. that's, that's, that's exactly right. We're in this era where it turns out we were never the boss. It doesn't look like an ideology. What's beneath the surface of people we admire, of the ideas that define our time, the history we are told. And welcome to Russell Brand. Under the skin. Natasha, hello, thank you for coming on Under the Skin, I'm very excited to talk to you.
1: I'm so happy to be here.
0: Um, Would you tell us uh, uh, what it is you do for our uninitiated audience?
1: Um, In very, very simple words, which can be deceiving, Mm. um, I teach power to women in a single sentence. I teach power to women.
0: (laughs) How?
1: <laughs> How? I give them very practical tools. But um, in order to set up the frame for this conversation properly, um, the, uh, the arch narrative, the bigger picture, needs to be introduced. Otherwise, it's easy to misunderstand what I do um, as getting women really riled up, which isn't what I do um so there's this thing some people like to refer to as universal consciousness and um human beings uh, the way that we have access to a piece of this unfathomable universal consciousness is, for practical purposes, best called attention. So when people say, um, Kasia Urbaniak at the Academy specializes in power dynamics, which are really attention dynamics, it's a more accurate frame for what it is that we do in the school. What the hell are attention dynamics? It's easier to start telling the story of what men and women are faced with and how they're faced with problems of attention in terms of their general differences. So um, I began the school with my partner in crime, Ruben Flores, who is a man. A woman's school founded with a man. How controversial. I was a, um, a successful dominatrix for many years and did so in order to further my studies in Taoism because my dream was to be a Taoist nun.
0: So you were being a dominatrix from a sort of, uh, not ironically, but not for the explicit stated purposes that, uh, that of being a dominatrix, but it was a sort of, a. you were a meta-dominatrix. What... Uh, how does that? Like, I don't know much about that, and but what little I do know is that sometimes it's not like bio, like, and though it's obviously erotic, it's often often not conjugal or physical, and sometimes there's not orgasm. So, what goes on? So, uh,
1: well, what 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 very quickly happened was because I was initially a dominatrix for practical purposes, right? This is what something a nineteen-year-old young woman could do in order to pay for her education and in order, in my case, to pay not just for college, but to pay for the expenses of traveling to monasteries and studying Taoism. But in the, in the dual paths of Taoist pursuit and being a dominatrix, they started cross-informing each other in a really powerful way. So I can't speak for the BDSM community, uh, people who are very, very, very pressed to make this taboo form of erotic experience that in, in, in this context is not sexual, but very erotic. Um, what, what happened to me was all my studies and attention started deeply informing what I did in the dungeon and how I did it. Um, it became very clear to me that uh, the most powerful way to have a man surrender and feel held and able to submit in a deep, full-bodied, emotional, spiritual, psychological way. I had to put my attention on them in such a profound way that their bodies could shift into a state that was visible, the way that animals calm down when a trainer comes into into the room. Uh, it, It became something far beyond what I expected. And it was because I was, you know, practicing, you know, sometimes eight, eight hours of meditation a day. And I was in these, in these places where the, the incredible nuance of what a human being goes through. Every single move, every single, you know, micro expression of grief could be moved in the room of the dungeon. It could be pointed out in this false play of, I am now a governess. I am now your uh, police officer tyrant. You are a baby. You are a criminal. All these things became... Um, fodder for uh, a role play where they could move through different states of emotion
0: so you the, your, your um, some not assumption your experience is that people that are willingly deliberately continually entering into that context are trying to reach some kind of state of submission and surrender and and, and for you that aligned with what you were learning through Taoism so 100%. Bloody hell. That's interesting. What does that tell us then about the, I guess, moving to our uh, earlier point somewhat? What does that tell us about power? What does it tell us about malpower? Because like, I guess, I think a lot of um, uh, pre- prejudice maybe uh, around the kind of people that go to BDSM is a lot of men that are powerful politicians. They want to be dominated somehow. Uh, what, what does that mean if underneath the, 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 the there is this desire to submit? What does that tell us about the poses of... Contemporary male power.
1: Oh, it says a lot. Uh, the, the the it is it is my belief that the what we call the dominant state, the state of authority, um, the state of 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 external power, um, is something that couples with this deep desire for surrender, submission to uh, be held in the attention of another person. Uh, what, What became interesting to me is to start noticing that here were these men who wanted that state and couldn't get there fully by themselves. Stepping out of the dungeon, I started seeing that men and women longed for this state of surrender. They longed for this state of feeling held in someone else's attention, to be witnessed there, to be guided to a place where they felt safe enough to release, be vulnerable, and be held and led, led through an experience. Also, it became apparent to me, in the, especially in the moments where it became time for me to train other dominatrixes baby doms (laughs) when they would come in the thing they struggled with the most they could do the performance they could put on the leather and the latex and go you've been a bad boy but the missing piece for the magical session was they weren't they weren't trained or conditioned or encouraged or practiced in the art of putting their attention so fully on the man who's there on his knees asking for that experience and giving instruction from that place. It would be it would be self, the attention would be on the self. So what that feels like, what that looks like, it, 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 the difference is night and day. If you know where to look, the difference is night and day. You've been a bad boy, go over there, da-da-da-da-da-da-da, right? The tension on self. It's how a lot of people lead too. A lot of leaders who assume a dominant position aren't actually exercising the dominant state of attention. A leader does not get his People or her people fully on board unless they put their attention fully on the people that they're leading. And this, there's this signature moment where the body shifts into submission, where somebody's able to actually hear, feel, understand the instruction and register whether they're capable of fulfilling the task, whether it' it's right, right with them. And in that context, that kind of power, that kind of power circuit, what that creates is people who are the people who are following are on board, heart, body, and mind, rather than this tyrannical idea, this toxic mimic of power, the dictator who has to exert so much force to get people to comply and obey, but does not have access to the deepest, most beautiful resources in their hearts and their bodies in the entirety of themselves. And when we talk about a great leader, what we're really talking about is not the one who has the most toys. We're talking about the great leader who's able to get people on board, body, heart, and mind because their attention and instruction is so fully out that they're registering the entire existence of the people that are following. So um, this is gender neutral. Uh, attention is fully gender neutral and whether you 're in the dominant state you know um, uh, we like to say in the school you know dominant state of attention is attention and, and instruction out the surrendered state is attention in attention on attention is meditation enlightenment right attention on attention itself the the, the three states but the interpersonal states are the two states and um, the the interesting part the interesting part in terms of Um, generalities is how women and men approach this differently how men and women approach this differently
0: before we get into that may I just ask a little more about the sort of the crossover between these eroticized uh games of authority which I suppose one unaddressed query is that even if the over dynamic is one of the dominant matrix being in a position of power economically at least one of those people is under the pay of the other and the situation is being kind of sanctioned and commissioned by by the sort of the, the sub I suppose to use the vernacular, Um, I I find that sort of, you know, I do find that kind of stuff interesting. And I do. I'm always interested in the fusion of eroticism and other aspects of our nature. I suppose there are no distinctions, really, that everything's bleeding into each other. But I'm more interested still in this idea that you have about uh, leaders uh, achieving real authority through attention in this case do you mean sort of attention in the same as uh, 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 synonymous with care
1: it can be care but love has many faces sometimes the best way to care for someone is to be quite ruthless with the truth to make them a little bit uncomfortable to um you know uh, it, it, in a, in a school for women it's it's a bit dangerous to say you know use your empathy and be nice can't care about the other person because then that then that cascades into a whole set of behaviors that we call good girl conditioning where women will withhold the truth because they think it's the it's, it's a, a morally superior thing to do where they will accommodate they'll watch themselves they'll self-police um so the 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 beautiful thing about this kind of power is it, it is more effective it is more effective it also happens to be more generative more loving um, it doesn't always look that way, but it is.
0: Will you give us some examples of those oh, two but, things?
1: But, you, but you, also, you, also, you also asked an interesting question because what we have in the dungeon, you pointed out, is um, economic power going one way and, and then the setup, which is power and authority going another way. Mm. And the this, this template of, of how do you reach despite a positional difference, right? A status differential, the client, the man who's twice the woman's age, man versus woman. Here you have a setup where, where, where women are, the women working are actually working against something. That is exactly the game that many women are playing in their lives when they're having to deal with a boss, a male boss who has a certain way of being that doesn't work for everyone in the, in the office, right? So how do you, in the moment, without the status without the title without the money without all the toys have a profound and powerful influence on someone establish a position of authority in the present moment where someone can hear you be influenced by what it is that you have to say and have your message what you have to say really really land it ends up being a wonderful training ground Um, what became very interesting is that um, the school didn't begin until i met my business partner who who is a man who spent you know, a decade in war zones as a humanitarian. And uh, his experience of power and power dynamics on the fringes of war and death, dodging bullets, vaccinating babies, and mine on the fringes of sexuality and in some ways on the fringes of spirituality, what we understood about power and what we understood about influence, it was incredible that the crossover happened because in the places where he was working, very often there was no common language. Oftentimes there were, you know, uh, you know, tribes or groups of people that spoke dialects. How do you, how do you get a group of people to, you know, here I have a piece of paper, I can build, build a field hospital here. You must listen to me when there's 14-year-olds with AK-47s around who don't give a damn about a piece of paper. And suddenly it became very, very apparent that there is something about not just presence, but how attention is used. To establish authority or establish surrender, so that connection and influence can occur, and in that, in that, that was the beginning of a conversation that yielded so many experiments in how women and men engage differently in this game. Um, so you had a question.
0: That's right. About I. My question is about the different examples of this power of attention, the application of attention uh, from a leadership position through care and a more sort of narcissistic application of attention? Obviously, there's plenty of examples of that. What's a, um, uh, an example of the, um, the more benign, even positive application of attention and leadership of that nature?
1: Well, I mean, the, 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 the funny thing about us humans is when it works, we don't notice. And when it doesn't, we do. <laughs> so it's where power dynamics collapse that it's easiest to identify you know, what's not working. Um, the, uh, the, the, the boss that everybody is loyal to out of love, out of feeling like this person's got it handled um, is just described as this person's a great leader, a wonderful person to work for. Or a wonderful person to follow, a wonderful person to to uh, um, um, receive guidance from. There's a sense of calm and order, and everybody in their right place, and everybody doing the thing that they're, they're they're best at and contributing. This is where the generative synergy comes in, and the the uh, the examples of where that goes wrong, where the examples where that collapses, even in interpersonal dynamics, is. It, that's where all the questions in the school come from. That's where all the conversations come from. Where doesn't it work? Because actually this form of leadership and this form of interpersonal communication, you know, the, 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 the simplest example of a, a fluid switching power dynamic that works flawlessly is the conversation that keeps you up until four in the morning. Mm-hmm. Because what's happening on a micro level is Russell, I'm speaking and I'm watching you. And I'm seeing if the words land. And I'm seeing where you just lifted your chin and almost had, had a question, where you took
0: a note. So, do, do you think, uh, Kasha, that the, the fact that there aren't any examples, or at least vivid examples, in public life is um, a demonstration that these principles aren't really being applied? Because it's, it's, you can't, I can't, like when you spoke about it in a quite general way a benevolent boss that everyone likes, a late night chat. With someone that you love,
1: oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, I could. You know, uh, you know, Oprah in a meeting, everyone loves her. She pays attention to everyone. Everyone has feedback that's honored, no matter where they are, whether they're close to her or far away from her. I mean, you know, uh, a, a, a woman who asks, you know, uh, her her husband for something and focuses on not the complaint but the desire what she wants to generate, and then when resistance comes up. And he's he says you know n- no or 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 balks at it initially. She gets curious about his resistance and goes to find out what it is that that request threatened, what it is that he wants to protect, what's important to him, and has a conversation about that. Then she can get him on board for what it is that she wants from a place of generative synergy, not from a place of yes and no.
0: Yeah, I see. see- it's not really applicable in the political sphere, then. It's like that, uh, uh, not that your examples are exhaustive, obviously, but a very successful media mogul. And then in interpersonal marital dynamics, it might be applicable, but there's no one in the field of politics or leadership um, that demonstrates these skills these days. Perhaps do you think because that the systems within which they operate are not conducive to that kind of dynamic? And in fact, the individuals that operate within those fields are kind of irrelevant, given that the sort of systemic thinking is so endemic, so deeply ingrained, that you would need to be... uh, christ to influence the way
1: well um i bet you'd be able to come up with some examples of someone who's doing it but i do think that there is a um there is a uh very very deeply ingrained especially in the political sphere i mean you you ask a politician a question and they're trained to deflect right they're trained to stay on message it's very Mm -hmm. rare that that uh, a person who's running for office it happens will look at the person and be like, what's your thing? And it's very rare that a person running for office will allow that to um, change an idea they have because they're supposed to stay on message. The, 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 the politician who is evolving with the people who is uh, um, uh, responding to the information as it changes to a world that's changing is quite rare, but it happens in moments. If we're talking about, um, you know, on the micro level, it happens in moments. But generally, I agree, it's not set up that way. It's not set up to work that way.
0: And with your point earlier about universal consciousness and us being expressions of this universal consciousness, do you think that these leadership leadership techniques that you were discussing uh, uh, somewhat specifically for women, can be uh, operate as a conduit for this more uh, benign and nurturing power to to come through us and, and to alter these systems meaningfully. Do you believe it's possible, Kasha?
1: Not only possible. I think it's the only way. I think when people are trained in how to use their attention and how to uh, influence powerfully and listen powerfully, that that really this world is made up of. People having conversations and making agreements. Even our government, our laws, uh, the existence of money was all a series of conversations and agreements that were made. And it's it's an exciting time because women are now invited into those conversations, whereas for centuries they were not. And um, the the idea of what's possible when people really look at each other and 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 uh, hold authority and influence in a way that includes everyone. Um, we have a kind of power that's rather unshakable. I mean, I, 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 see it, I see it in my school, I see it in what my students are capable of creating. It's, it's, it's not, you know, to say it's benign uh, uh, betrays the fact that it is far more effective. It's pretty fucking badass. Um, like, I, I, I imagine the first woman who um, uh, went into her boss's office And said I'm gonna have a baby and uh, I would like you to pay me (laughs) while I have this baby and I would like you to continue paying me while I'm spending time with my child and then when I return I would like to return to my position and um, continue to be paid and uh, that request must have sounded insane, outrageous, selfish, unreasonable, unrealistic. But now that we have the words of maternity leave, suddenly it's a new normal. It's something that politicians can, you know, ride platforms on. It's something that, you know, and, and that, that was born of a desire. That was born of, uh, of, of asking for something crazy that actually benefits everyone benefits the, the, the next generation, benefits the whole society. And what I want to do is inspire women to have that courage and have the techniques to be able to make an outrageous request that could benefit all of society. Everything happens on the interpersonal level. We like to think of, you know, there are people who are working on the big laws, the big systems. But my belief is that enough people, individuals, begin having conversations and interacting in this new way that makes attention and an awareness of dynamics at the forefront, then the nature of everything has to change.
0: With um, reforms like the um, grant in of maternity leave or even uh, or other civil rights uh, successes, uh, obviously it's comparatively successful, but one concern I, Have Kasha is that these successes are achieved within a paradigm that will always yield necessarily to that kind of uh, sort of pressure or those kind of trends, to use sort of a bit of a glib word, but ultimately, power doesn't really. Change the ability to control resources to control how people live life. Um, that's what I get concerned by. That I get concerned by uh, about the sort of myth of progress of social progress. I, you know, of course, I, you know, I could the the triumphs of the civil rights movement in the 50s, the advance of feminism, these are sort of great successes. My question, my concern also is that they, these, uh, these. the the barometer for these successes is still held by a system of dominance that may only be altering marginally to accommodate this progress.
1: Yeah. So, um, so here's where I want to segue a little bit into the difference between, um, the conditioning of women and men. So that, uh, This is a small example, but a a few years ago, there was an internet jobs website for tech jobs. And what the people running the website found was that women were asking for far less money for the same jobs as men. So they had this brilliant idea. They would start showing a graph that revealed the average requested salary per job with the thought that this would be giving women a real sense of what they could ask for. Like a real sense. This is what, this is men and women together. This is the average. This is the the, the extreme high end. This is the Mm. extreme low end. Do you know what happened? Women started asking for even less. Men started asking for even more. Now I'm mentioning this shocking, shocking revelation to your point about how you can change uh, systems, but the power really belongs to the transformation of people, of individuals. Mm. So um, one, of the really, one of the really fun things in, in, in the beginning of the school and the creation of the school, one of the things that was the most exciting is Ruben and I, a man and a woman, created this little laboratory where we could intensively investigate, forget everything we knew, right, take a very phenomenological approach and get women in a room talking about what they want, talking about their situations and seeing what they come up against. In terms of asking for a salary, in terms of asking a husband to pick up his socks, in terms of, you know, everything from the smallest to the biggest. I mean, when Me Too happened, then it was about confronting the abuser. It was all these things. What happens? What happens? What do they actually come up against? Why is it that that graph on the website didn't inspire them to ask for more? Why is it that they actually saw what the average was and asked for even less? what is it what is it what occurs so in this in this laboratory um there was also reuben and i a man and a woman comparing our own experiences and one of the things that uh, we found very quickly was that you know every human is is subject to self-attack thoughts oh i'm such an idiot oh i don't deserve this oh i did this wrong right but the nature and the ferocity of the content of that internal monologue, different for women, different for men. Just, just in terms of experience, experiencing the the rooms, experiencing the the um, the women and what they came up against. And one of the things that became very apparent was that that um, you know it it's it's only been quite recent that women went from you could say being property to being able to own property. Um, if we live in a culture and have lived in a culture where a woman who's wearing too short a skirt could be sexually violated and then blamed for it then a mother's act of love would be to police the hell out of her daughter watch yourself watch yourself watch yourself watch yourself watch yourself or a father right watch yourself don't do too much of this don't do you get hurt and then get blamed for it this self-policing powerfully informs a woman's self-attack. So if a woman gets into a situation where she is confronted with something very difficult and dangerous or something compromising, when she freezes and doesn't say anything, afterwards, what her experience actually tends to be is self-attack. This kind of blameless moment where through the conditioning of women, she will freeze in that moment. Afterwards, self attack, self attack. Why didn't I stand up for myself? Why didn't I say something? And there's only so long that that venom can stay inwards. It stays in, stays in, stays in. Given the opportunity, it explodes outward. Now, so this self, this this let's say negative form of self awareness, self consciousness, self attack, self policing, um, it. As, as boys and girls grow up, we tend to train women and men, boys and girls, to get a hit of social reward in two very different circumstances. A woman, a girl, when her attention is inward. A boy, when his attention is outward. And this has a powerful impact. So like, you know, look how lovely Mary is. Isn't her dress lovely? Is she getting chubby? You know, she gets noticed for her being whereas the tendency has been for a very long, long time that when Billy does something, Billy scored a goal. Look what Billy did. Billy got into a fight. Billy built a fortress. So men have a tendency to have their attention out in this like, authoritative position, and women tend to get stuck in this place where their attention is inward. So in a, in a, in a, in a, this, this is so, 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 so beautiful because of the victories of just this understanding yields. Um, when a woman panics, she goes inward and gets stuck there. So, uh, so one of the things we train is women to use their attention both ways, inward and outward, inward and outward. So a uh, woman, one of our students at work, her boss, new boss, comes up to her, asks her, what kind of lingerie do you like? Alarm bells. Oh, no. <laughs> what's going on here my student instead of freezing and going this is completely inappropriate was taught to put her attention out when she panics and she did a very simple thing she looked at him and said why do you ask and he said you know i have this new girlfriend valentine's day is coming up and i have absolutely no idea where to shop for lingerie and she goes oh Your request was totally inappropriate. I thought you were about to hit on me. Um, But here, don't ask questions like that at work again, but here are a few names of lingerie stores that I think your girlfriend might love, right? Predator, he could have been a predator, predator. And just by in the moment being able to break the freeze and put her attention out, not go completely into the panic of I'm being violated, because not every man asking an inappropriate question is looking to destroy a woman. She had the power, the skills to move her attention in both directions. This 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 phenomenon of women freezing and not speaking is really 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 rampant. Women hold back so many things, so many things. And then they're. They're they're seen as mysterious and difficult to understand, and the men who who love them and want to serve or want to contribute are endlessly frustrated because nothing they do works, and men get dumber and dumber, and women get angrier and angrier, and it's it's this attention dynamic. That's a,
0: that's a good technique. I think I could use that technique also. I sometimes freeze in situations where I feel threatened or challenged, or that I don't you know like I don't have many social interactions. No one does now, do they, but like when I have them, I often feel like my attention goes inwards, and I feel sort of intimidated um I've got a question that's I don't think it's complicated, but it might be it's kasha kasha this um this is what it is say like as you said at the beginning, like because of your training in taoism and that that, that this is your general approach your your perspective that. We are an expression of universal consciousness. If this universal consciousness has uh, must underscore all reality, if there are cultural trends big enough and broad enough to 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 identify and express men go outward, women go inward, at some level must this be an expression of a kind of some verifiable reality? If not, how is it happening and how is it happening so universally? I wonder if there uh, if there are, in your opinion, biochemical differences that lead to differences in behavior beyond culture. Or are you saying that all of these differences are the result of culture? I've often queried whether there was any significance that in, in the sort of reproductive dynamics of the two sexes that one cellular contribution is an active thing with a tail. And the other thing is a passive thing in a, in utero uh, or wherever it is. Cause I'm not a gynecologist and I don't know much about that kind of stuff. Do you think these kind of biochemical realities would have uh, correlatives in the material world uh, that go beyond culture? Or do you think that all things are the result of acculturation?
1: Uh. One of the greatest difficulties in, um, in a commitment to this phenomenological approach, meaning sticking to what I see in the laboratory, sticking to what I see in the students, is um, being humble enough to only uh, share what I see and what I saw. There are a lot of people who specialize in all kinds of theories on why things happen. And um, the truth is, I have absolutely no idea. I have absolutely no idea what the inherent, if there are inherent differences between men and women. What I do know is that women freeze in a very specific way. And I, what I do know is that when I teach students to use their attention in these particular ways, they get results that are earth shattering, earth shattering. They, they, they know how to make allies out of the men that they were afraid of. They know how to uh, reach a very authoritative position. They know how to give a, a, a you know be the only woman in the room and make sure that she's not only heard, but has everyone feeding on every single thing she says, as well as uh, have opportunities to feel really safe, surrendering. And uh, uh, being vulnerable and open, and being vulnerable and open when she, when it calls for it, and when something goes wrong, knowing how to switch to make a correction. Like I, I you know, I'm I am so profoundly interested only in what works. What works to um, have women feel free to self-express and to make requests in a way that feels great even if they're outrageous to lead with the desire not the complaint to be you know in a state of rage to be aware that they're fighting against something but then also be like hey the pivot of rage is not to focus on the thing I'm fighting against but to to focus on the thing I'm fighting for and that that beautiful vision that presents itself alchemizes the rage into passion and vision the places where women get stuck in terms of the the, the entire range of human emotion that is so taboo, taboo to have any kind of negative emotion, any kind of neediness, bossiness, everything about from sadness to despair to rage to uh, uh, you know, ambivalence. How do you take those, those taboo emotions and alchemize them so that you can lead with the thing you want to create, not react to the thing you don't like? And how do you move outward into the world in a way where, <laughs> where you're presenting that compelling vision, compelling vision requiring to do this thing? You, I, I, think, I think people fail to understand if they saw the room, if they saw the class after class after class after class, even these powerful women, with powerful positions in the world, these women who have great relationships, where they get stuck and how often it is that they withhold information, go inward, get stuck, ruminate, self-attack. How often it is how that how how even the most powerful MK gets stuck because a barista at a freaking coffee shop gets their name wrong or gets their order wrong or asks them if they're single, and how they tank from sometimes the most in small thing.
0: Yeah, I'm not suggesting there's not such a thing as sexism. I'm not mad. The data's in, but like all of these things that you describe, I feel. Also, like I feel that it doesn't take much but a social altercation or like a negative interaction to, for me to tank. Uh, I don't know what that says about me as a man. what it
1: says about you and I'm very aware of who I'm speaking with. You're a very unusual human being, and the way that you use your dominant state of attention is absolutely sublime. I've seen you on, on, on television shows where you just blow everybody's, the entire framework of the conversation apart, make everyone feel uncomfortable to reveal beautiful truths. And I'm also aware that you're in more, more in touch with what we would call the feminine side or the surrendered side than any, you know than almost anyone I can think of. It's one of the reasons it's such a privilege to be speaking to you because you are one of the few people who has both hands, the dominant and the submissive. You know how to use both. You are profoundly committed to the surrendered state. You are profoundly committed to using the dominant state of attention to speak truth when other people, it's going to ruffle feathers. You're not a good girl. You're not a good boy. You're a profoundly balanced human being that sources himself in both the inner and the outer. And you know, the, 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 the idea behind why many men might not have access to what you have access to is this, you know, this, this truth that we've been sending men to war for millennia to die for us. The idea of manning up means shutting down the signals that you receive on the inside. To be a real man means to have no feelings and be able to go out and kill to protect us. And this 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 this, you know, this has not even even now with women in the military, this has not gone away. When you say someone's acting like a girl, you're talking about them accessing their inner experience. When you talk about someone manning up, you're talking about somebody overriding their inner experience. You have done the work. You have done the work to access deeply your inner experience, your inner world. And you have the tools and the skills, you know, first as a comedian, as an actor, now being the the person that you are speaking to the world, to use your dominant state of attention, to to ask questions, to question the questions, to go deeply into another person's thought patterns, experiences, and blow them up when you need to. So you are the example of someone who surpassed the gender patterning. I want what you have for women, for all women.
0: Well, that was very, very charming.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's true you know it and you know you've done the work and 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 not every not every man not every woman has done the work to balance both sides
0: i th- thank you for saying that to me i, I feel like um a lot of men are looking to be awakened and i thought that the examples you gave were apposite in the kind of construction in your diagnosis of the construction of male identity men being positioned socially to identify in a particular way to repress certain aspects of themselves to express certain aspects of themselves to have certain attitudes to women or people that are different from them in other ways than sex and i i feel that in a way, uh, this is weird because it's almost asking of feminism, as it were, to use a very broad term. That it <laughs> The last thing you want to be asking feminism is that it takes men's feelings into consideration because, <laughs> because of the history of that movement. But I feel that... M- A lot of men are the victims of the exact same system of dominance, anyway. And I'm sure there are examples of men, like you know, obviously, I know that there are because again, the data is in, you can look at it of men succeeding in ways that women cannot and haven't economically and through privilege and prestige. But what do we do in order to rather than just redress this, how do we create something that's different and 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 more perhaps more, um, sort of easy for us to talk about right here and now? How do you? Deal with men in a way that is uh sort of compassionate if that is... and do you think that that's what's required is that appropriate
1: oh my goodness okay this is the the, the... <laughs> um when you first began to speak before you said the word but i wanted to cry um one of the greatest greatest tragedies right now is and this is very, very controversial for a feminist to say, is what's happening to men. All the ways that a man has been taught to win yield rotten fruit. We worship the sociopath and feel sorry for the empath. There are books on how to be, you know, how you can be powerful by learning from psychopaths, from not having feelings. Um, and now a huge switch. Men are supposed to have feelings, but not be so sensitive that they're wimpy. The the the, the there is an there is sort of a uh, an exact mirror, um, meaning the reflection in reverse of what's happening to men and what's happening to women, and it is tragic. It is tragic. Uh, what it means to be a man today is the, one of the most difficult conversations that we can have. Now, um, you know, again, another very controversial thing to say is, <laughs> you know, me too, right, did something. The, the original intention was to have survivors of abuse just say, yeah, I experienced it too, so we could see the numbers. Then the, you know, vigilante execution <laughs> of the bad men we could find. Um, what's incredibly difficult to talk about, what's incredibly difficult to wrap your brain around is not just looking at the victim, but looking at the perpetrator. What creates a perpetrator? What's happening? And, and, and looking at these you know, men who are winning as men who are also losing something Losing something very fundamental, this toxic idea of what power is doesn 't work it doesn 't work for anyone and so the you know the, w- w- people ask me to teach men, and I always say the same thing first of all it's not my job as a woman to teach men, however, I teach my students to teach their men. There is no way that women that women in this world that that The woman's movement can work if it doesn't include men. We have to include everyone. We have to to go beyond, this is the story of the person who got hurt, who's getting screwed. We have to look at the whole system. We have to look at the victim, the perpetrator, the woman, the man, not just as victim and perpetrator, and the system that creates it. And now I, I am not equipped to handle all of the world's problems, but when I see the, the difference between how men and women engage with attention and address both, what happens is very powerful women who can lovingly get men on board. Powerful women who can get what they, they care about. Right. Like the world is a no to so many things that that women care about the protection of of life, of of the earth, Um, at at least the, the, the student body that comes to me. The things they care about, the world is a general no to. So one of the first things we handle is how do you become immune to the impact of the word no. Stand with someone's resistance, get curious about it and keep going, not to violate consent but to get behind, what's behind that no? How do we create real, real connection in a space where we, we do not agree? How do we go beyond the initial knee-jerk resistance and create something beyond anything either of us had ever imagined before we entered the conversation? How do we use human synergy and, you, and use these differences in order to create something that works for everyone?
0: Mm do you think have you thought about how the techniques that you have developed apply in child rearing where it's not and and to and to, and to finish where it's not such a, a a matter of um where it's not a matter of um re- reconditioning somebody but actually conditioning them and how do and, and i'd like to know specifically with say this is a very specific example my daughter she likes to go around it seems dressed in she's free i've got two daughters <laughs> that, that goes around dressed in this uh sort of disney dress right she likes it and now uh, she, she wears it with a cowboy hat and wellies and stuff like that she's pretty cool uh, but one night a day we were out walking And like every single person we walked past Said uh, that's a pretty dress That's a pretty dress I could tell she didn't like it I said to her What do you think when people say that to you She goes I don't like it And I goes hmm What do you think we should say back to people That say that And uh, I goes like I gave her some ideas Like uh, you could say your dress is pretty too You could say that it's Back to them if you want and uh, we did toy with the idea of "fuck off," but my wife, when I later, like, uh, my, when my wife heard about that, she she weren't down with that. So, like, um, what do you think about those kind of things? And what do you think it is that both myself and my daughter felt about that?
1: I I think your instincts are absolutely right on. Absolutely right on first of all, just in terms of being very, very, very precise in the techniques that I teach, uh, you used your dominant state of attention with your daughter. You looked at her, you saw where she was, you asked her some questions, right, and um, noticed that this 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 would be the early conditioning of her to freeze. She doesn't like it, but she doesn't say anything. It's a compliment. She doesn't like it, but she doesn't say anything. It doesn't matter what you tell her to say. It really doesn't. But if she gets to speak, put her attention outward, you have a pretty dress too, or you have nice pants, or your (laughs) pants are green is exactly, exactly the thing to teach her that in that moment, she's not powerless in terms of where the attention goes. Because when, when, someone, when someone feels the capacity to direct where the, where the conversation's going, where the attention is going, they no longer freeze. So you're teaching her the tool of self-expression on a basic bodily level, basic bodily level. Because e- even in animal hierarchies, the alpha has their attention out, the, all of the other pups have their attention in. And knowing how to do both, is how you create a balanced human being that is free not only to express, but to connect, who can trust oh. themselves to, to follow, because they know that if they don't like where they're being led anymore, they can flip the dynamic and start leading, going, hey, why don't we go this way? And um, uh, when the, the person leading has lost the thread, can go, hey, what do you think? Where did I lose you? And then they can lead. So that, that, that little example that you gave me of you and your daughter is actually brilliant and profound. That is like exemplary child rearing and teaching a girl to be powerful and get to wear her pretty dress.
0: Yeah, I, I, it didn't, it didn't feel right. I don't feel those, you know, those people weren't consciously doing anything wrong. I understand it was both males and females that were saying it at different times. It was just what I felt was like we're living in a theme park where everyone's an automaton. Everyone's saying the exact same thing. I pointed out to her that that was interesting, right? And I like you wouldn't go with the hard line, fuck off, either. But certainly some kind of response would be good. Um, you wouldn't uh, even
1: imagine. You wouldn't even imagine the amount of liberation a woman feels when she's told to respond to a cat call. Given that the cat call is done in you know re- relatively safe circumstances, not in a dark alley, but in public, when someone goes "nice tits" or like "nice nice legs" or like "why don't you smile, baby?" like whatever, innocuous to, but the feeling of getting cat called can be incredibly oppressive to to women, even when it seems like they're exaggerating. And the immense amount of power they feel when they can look back and go, Yeah, nice shirt. There's coffee all over it. Or, uh, Did your mama teach you to talk like that? Or, uh, You know, you have green shoes. But even that's enough. Because they no longer feel imprisoned by this, 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 I'm getting attention and I have to take it as it is. Um, the metaphors in the sexual act abound. The way, the way women are uh, uh, conditioned to approach their own desire and where they, can, where they can have the kind of erotic experiences they want abound, this becomes a mirror of that. You get attention, you have to take it the way that it is. You can't redirect it and refresh and move mm. from a different angle. So, it, you know, this seemingly innocuous thing of cat calls can be an incredibly fun playground for experimenting with attention.
0: This idea of attention as power, you just sort of said like how in the animal kingdom, like the alpha figure has the attention outwards and the secondary figures have the attention inward. I'm very interested in this and I'm interested in the origins of this aspect of uh, what you teach and how it relates to... Daoism specifically or does it relate to Daoism and what does it relate to?
1: It doesn't relate to Daoism specifically. I think the intense Daoist training just made me aware of attention as a real thing, you know, (laughs) like it made me aware of uh, the more subtle non-language based ways in which human beings interact. Um, The, you know, like we did a lot of studies on what they call women women in a meeting syndrome, you know, a woman says something and uh, uh, someone else, some man restates it and gets credit for it. You know what I'm talking about?
0: Yeah, I think I've seen comedy sketches of that.
1: Yeah, so, so that's, a, that's a real problem. That's sexism, right? So this, is, this isn't a way for me to blame women, but this is a way for me to give women tools in how to handle that situation. So like uh, 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 in, even in a board meeting, people are still behaving on an animal level animal level right and if a woman who's saying something can put her attention out on the whole room and speak to the whole room in such a way that moves the bodies into a submissive state she gets heard but if she pulls back and right now i'm not even i'm not even talking about i'm not even um Uh, legislating language. Yes, of course, there's a, I think that maybe that possibly we should consider, Hmm. right? But even without that, if she's speaking in a surrender, closer to the surrendered state, nobody feels what she said. They heard the words, but they didn't feel it. So a man then says and restates it with that whole attention out until the bodies shift and all the animals in the room go, Alpha said it, slam dunk. We heard it. We should do it or consider it or fight against it. It doesn't disappear.
0: What do you think that is physically? I and mean, how do you, what's the difference? What do you do to be in the latter state rather than the former?
1: Well, uh, you know, uh, the, 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 the problem to solve is a bit older. Um, and actually, I, I believe it begins in how a woman's erotic desire is handled and how a man's erotic desire is handled. So uh, when you're a kid, you could want a cookie, right? You don't get that cookie. You can cry, right? You can throw a tantrum. You don't get the cookie. But the first kind of desire that is, that means something about you really is an erotic one. So a girl starts finding herself wanting someone wanting someone's love whether she gets it or not starts to say something about her it's a different kind of desire and boys when they start exhibiting signs of sexual interest provided that their sexual interest is directed towards women not men when boys start exhibiting um, signs of sexual desire and, and, and girls start exhibiting signs of sexual desire, the difference between the two is quite remarkable. If with, with, with men, with boys, there tends to be like nink, nudge, nudge, wink, wink, look, 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 he's starting to like girls. For girls, it's immediately a double message, immediately, immediately, immediately a yes and a no at the same time this is dangerous. She's dangerous. It's dangerous for her. Look, she's growing up like, and, and, and and every woman I've spoken to can relate to this feeling of that moment, not only being dangerous and getting mixed signals, but fearing being a slut and a prude, sometimes both at the same time. And then it's like, her tits are too small until they're too big. She's too, she's too quiet until she's too loud. There's no middle range. She cares too much about, about her studies until she doesn't care enough about her studies later on in life. She cares too much about work and not enough about family. She cares too much about family. And this, this, this concern of women, of being afraid of being too much. I'm too much. I'm too much for the world. I want too much. I'm too bossy. I'm too loud. I'm, I'm too emotional. And also, being not enough, I'm not enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not skilled enough, I'm not pretty enough, I'm not skinny enough, I'm not rich enough, I'm not, right, that, 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 that bind, there's no room in between the two at all to breathe. This is a generalization that does not apply to every single human being. But the tendency is that men worry about being not enough but not about being too much, whereas women are this double bind. And that compression, that compression of being afraid of being needy and bossy, being afraid of being this at the same time, creates a compressed bodily state and an energetic state that affects all of their communications. So a woman is capable of going to a next door neighbor and being furious and polite at the same time, being scared of being asking for too much and being scared of not getting what she wants at the same time. Hi, um, excuse me, um, <laughs> eyes of evil. Um, I, I, I would really appreciate it if maybe I'm hearing the noise next door and, and like it doesn't feel good to get a request like that because it's both filled with niceness and rage. It's build, filled with too much and too little. And one of the main trainings we do in school is to break apart the compression. So they play act being extremely out there, being extremely bossy being you will turn the music down to I would love to get a good night's sleep and you would be my greatest ally if you just turn the music down, right? And what ends up happening after they do this ridiculous exercise, ridiculous exercise of going extreme is they're capable of making a request that sounds like, hey, do you mind turning your music down? Clean, simple, clean, 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 simple. So when you ask, you know, uh, how do you get, you know, How do you get women or how do you get um, someone to be able to use their attention with facility, their authority and their surrender with facility? It takes breaking this good girl conditioning, this double bind, this fear of too much, too little that starts
0: very, very early on. This is very interesting to me. Thank you. I was thinking then about like a lot of the work I do around males is to do with fatherless men and, you know, it's sort of in a sense, uh, although I, um, you know, I grew up in a single, just with my mother, and I wonder how much of this sort of conditioning is, oh, how many males are feeling the same thing, even though, of course, I can see there are different cultural messages more broadly, you know, as we've discussed at length that's it. really thank you very much for so passionately explaining to me a variety of behavioral traits and psychological um, conditions and how we can alter ourselves, how we can re-engineer ourselves uh, using what we have. I, I really enjoyed meeting you and speaking with you and I can see why Andrew was so keen for us to communicate. I hope we get to communicate again. Me too. Thank you. Oh, Thank you. Thanks for listening to Under the Skin with Kasha Obaniak. Let me know what you thought of it on Instagram, for example. You could tag me at Russell Brand, or you could tweet me at Rusty Rockets with the hashtag Under the Skin. Sign up to my mailing list at russellbrand.com. Gain exclusive mailing list only news and video content. Why don't we do some of those videos? We never do one because of you, Jen. I'm going to tell them that. You know, don't bother signing up for mailing list. We never do any videos anyway. Because Jen can't be bothered. So you're wasting your time. You might as well sign up to... I don't know. Sign up to someone who's got a good team of people around them. Conan. I bet Conan's email base... You've got 20 people, but I'd take any one of them, Jen, any one of them, the most senior or the most junior member of the, I'm only joking, Jen. I wouldn't replace you for anything. All right, yeah, sign up to the mailing list if you feel like it. We'll be back next week. In the meantime, if you enjoyed this conversation with Show, why don't you go back and listen to some other episodes, Jamila Jamil, Megan Jane Crabb, Elizabeth Gilbert, Ricky Gervais. I mean, there's just a lot of episodes. There's a lot of them. You can keep checking my YouTube channel daily for new videos if you want. And I appreciate that you have been listening to me on Under the Skin from Luminary.